0: Wow. Um, that's tough to follow. Um, incredible. Can we say thank you one more time to the band and for leading us so strong? They're not done. They'll be back out here in just a few minutes, but uh, TLR family, it's so good to see you guys. Thanks for coming out, um, and I know it's super cold today. Um, our team spent some time at Georgia State um, this afternoon, probably saw a few of you, and it was like freezing. Like, I'm pretty sure the whole team is going to have pneumonia next week, but, um, but it's great. But it's great to see all of you guys here for the final gathering of the semester, Christmas Illuminated, and I don't know about for you, but for me, like, I, I enjoy Christmas. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite season of the year, but it It could be. It could be, honestly. Thanksgiving's close. Like, I kind of just like all of them. Um, But there is um, something special about Christmas. But if we could just be honest tonight, maybe you're, you know, love Christmas, maybe you don't, maybe you're somewhere in between. But I think there's one thing we could all probably agree on tonight, and that's that. There are some interesting, let's just say interesting, um, but I really want to say like some weird things that we do at Christmas, okay? There just are. There's some weird Christmas traditions that, that many of us have. Let's just start with first things first, um, Christmas trees, okay? Um, have you ever thought about a Christmas tree? First off, um, I just need to get this out there. Where are my fake tree people at? Oh gosh, gosh. Where are my, where are my real tree people at? What up? Yeah. I'm with you, real tree, real people, fake tree. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Um, That's just kind of how I feel. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, If you're a fake tree person, um, you still belong. Uh, So, but listen, when you think about it, like, I guess if you put a fake tree in your house, it's a little bit different. And honestly, it's probably wiser. Like, it's a better financial decision in the long run. There's a lot, I know, there's a lot of pros to it. But if you bring a real tree into your house, like, that thing has sap on it. Okay, you got to water that thing all the time. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, preach. Um, like the, the, the needles fall, you know, like it's, imagine, just imagine for a second. You decorate this tree. It's in your house for like a month sometimes, sometimes longer. I've known people that like have their tree until February and I'm like, listen, like it's rotting. Get it out, you know. Um, but, but if you just think about that, think of any other time throughout the year. Think if it was February and I came home and I'm like, yo, Ann, um, I brought home this dogwood. I thought it was a great spring tree. Like we're just gonna plant it in the house for the next three or four weeks. We're gonna decorate it with some spring decor. She would be like, "No, we're not. Like you know." And this is just part of Christmas. Like we put trees inside our house. I don't know where that started, but it, but it's kind of a weird um, tradition that many people have. Um, you think about lights. Lights are another tradition. And, and like you know, you decorate your house. Some people go all out. I grew up like driving around trying to find like the kind of wealthier neighborhoods where they just went all out. On their Christmas lights and like grading them being like, ah, that's like an 8.5. Oh, that's a six. It's like a nine and a half, you know? Um, And like, it's just interesting. No other time in the year do we necessarily like put lights up and down everywhere on our house. Caroling is another one. When you go Christmas caroling, you go, you knock on someone's door. They answer the door. You immediately just start singing to them. Sometimes you know the people, sometimes you don't. They love it. They like pull out their phones. They're videotaping it. They're like, this is amazing. Please come back next year. Imagine... If you want caroling at any other time of the year, if it's May and you go knock on someone's door and they open the door and you start singing, they're not videoing, they're calling the cops. Like bottom line, they're being like, get out. Like, what are you smoking? This is crazy, you know? Caroling is, is interesting. Christmas music. Some of you love Christmas music. Like it's kind of a problem. You start playing it like in August um, you need to figure that out. Um, but, but Christmas music, like every single year, you know, it's kind of the same songs over and over and over again. And, and some of them are great, but others of them, like, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Come on. It's not a really good song, you know, but we play it over and over and over again. And it's like, but we do it because it's part of the Christmas season, Christmas movies. Some of you, you'll watch a Christmas movie every night between now and Christmas for the next 25 days or however long it is. Christmas presents. We give presents to one another. There's all of these things that we do at Christmas and there are things that just make Christmas, Christmas. And many of you, when you think about Christmas, you think, man, Christmas is, is pretty. Like the lights and the trees and the decorations. Maybe you think Christmas is like magical. Like when I think about Christmas, something inside my, my soul just like comes alive. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like I love like going around town and going into the malls. just a magical time of the year. Maybe you think Christmas is almost perfect. Like it's almost too good to be true. In fact, many people would even say this, that Christmas, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's hard to say that without singing it. It's the most wonderful time. Thank you. That was great. We'll work on that. Um, So Christmas, some would say is the most wonderful time of the year. And this is why for many of you in the room tonight, when you think about Christmas, you think, man, I love everything about it. Like you wish it could be Christmas year round. You're gonna soak in every single day between now and December 25th and you just love it. Others of you, when you think about Christmas, you don't necessarily love the, the holiday, but you love the fact that you kind of get to take a step back from reality for maybe a week or two where you don't have school, you maybe don't have work, you get to spend some time with family and friends and like kind of relive some, some childhood memories and take yourself back to when like you would stay up late and you know, was Santa going to come? Like you just, you enjoy that part of it. But then there's others of you in the room tonight, maybe many of you in the room tonight that if you're being honest, when you think about Christmas, you, you agree, like Christmas is a pretty season. It does feel magical in a lot of ways. It's, it's, it is kind of like almost the perfect time of the year but you know this, you know that life is messy. And so when you think about Christmas, you think about the family that you have to go home to in just a couple weeks that is broken. You think about the fact that you gotta go spend a few days or maybe even weeks with your mom and dad and they can't get along for 20 minutes in the same room together. You think about the pain and hurt of your past that you've experienced. For many of you this Christmas, you think about the fact that it's going to be the first Christmas that a loved one is not sitting across the table from you. Maybe Christmas for you is a reminder that another year has come and gone, and it's another year where you just wish, you were desiring so badly that things could be different. You wish things were different. You wish things could change, but you look at it and you say another year goes by and same old, same old. I'm still in this spot. Family's still in this spot. My my future still is is looking really bleak. And when you think about Christmas, you're starting to kind of honestly dread it. And you come around, you come to a night like tonight, Christmas illuminated at the living room, and you're hoping, you're thinking, maybe this year it'll be different. Like maybe if I can kick off the Christmas season almost a month in advance, on November 26th, maybe I can start getting in the Christmas spirit. Like maybe these songs will, will bring something to life inside of me and maybe I'll feel a little bit different this year. But you know that that's probably not gonna happen. You come tonight to a night like this and you know, okay, I I get the play. Like some of you are like, I I know exactly what it's going to be. Like they're going to sing some Christmas songs. It's going to be joyful. You know, they're going to sing Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. It's going to be awesome. People are going to be wearing Christmas hats. You know, we're going to eat some good food. And then they're going to probably share a Christmas story and kind of tie a perfect, happy little bow on top of it all and say, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. We'll see you next year. But tonight, I don't want to do that. Honestly, there's a part of me that is kind of like, just tired of that. Don't get me wrong, I love the Christmas story. I love it, and many of you um, love it too. Some of you are like, maybe you've never even heard the Christmas story. That's awesome, I love that you're here. But tonight, I wanna take us back even further. Tonight, I want us to look back at the events that led up to the very first Christmas, to the events that led up to the birth of Jesus. Because maybe you've heard this story before, but I wonder if you've ever really taken the time to pause and to reflect and to actually think about what would it have been like if I was there? Like what was Mary, what was Joseph feeling in that moment? So we're gonna look back at Matthew's gospel and he writes this in Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Check this out. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So Mary, who they believe was about 13 or 14 years old at this time in her life, she was pledged, she was arranged. This is a time of arranged marriages. She was arranged to be married to Joseph. Joseph was a little bit older. he's about 19 or 20. And so this marriage, like, you know, they're not really in love yet. They probably haven't even really met each other, but they're going to get married and then love's going to follow after that. And so everything seems good. They're kind of in this season of engagement, if you will. But in this season, Mary finds out that she's pregnant and that she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit, that she's carrying the child of God. Now, maybe you've heard that before, but have you ever actually thought about what would that have been like? Like, what was Mary thinking in this moment? Like, oh, this is super normal. I'm gonna go post on Facebook and Instagram about this and be like, hey, I'm pregnant. It's with the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm carrying God's child I I have a hard time believing those were her emotions. I'm thinking she was probably confused. She was probably a little bit like angry. Like, how am I supposed to explain this to people? And can you imagine the conversation that she has with Joseph? Joseph. Like, I don't know exactly how it went. The Bible doesn't tell us every single detail, but let's just imagine if this conversation played out today and Mary like called up Joseph and she's like, hey, Joe, listen, um, you need to come over like right now. And he's like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. And like, he, he rolls up and he's like, what's up, Mary? Like, what, what do you want? She's like, Joseph, can you just stop playing just for a second? Like, you're always trying to play. Like, just stop it. Like, be serious for, for a minute. And Joseph's like, oh, yo, yeah, I can be serious. What's up? And she's like, listen, like, I got something serious to tell you. And he's like, well, you know, I, I love you. I mean, we just met, but I, I love you. Like, we're getting married, you know? Like, I'm supposed to love you. I'm going to love you more and more every single day. Like, just lay it on me. It's cool. Like, what do you got? And Mary probably starts getting a little bit emotional. And she's like, well, Joseph, um, don't freak out. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. But stop. So hold, hold up, hold up. I know you want to ask some questions, Joseph, but it's cool. Listen, I'm pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I'm carrying the child of God. And I would imagine Joseph was like, hold up, say that again. Like run that back one more time. And she's like, okay, let me walk you through it again. I don't know many more details other than I'm pregnant and I'm carrying the child of God. And Joseph's probably like, Mary, stop it. Like, who's the dude? Just tell me, like, I'm going to go find him. Like, who is the guy? And Mary's like, I'm telling you, this is the guy. And he's like, listen, I'm not. And then finally, they probably just went their separate ways. And he's like, listen, I'll talk to you later. How would you have responded in that moment? You would have done the same thing. You'd been thinking, what This is crazy. But in fact, Joseph responds a lot better than probably any of us would have responded. Check this out. Joseph, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph says, you know what? I don't want to disgrace you, Mary. I don't want to humiliate you publicly. So I'm just going to follow through. We're going to be married. And then I'm just going to divorce you quietly. That's going to be my plan. That's the best I can do. But the story goes on. Check this out. Verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, so he kind of made up his mind. He's like, this is my plan. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Keep going. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people for their sins. So Joseph goes to bed that night and he has this dream. And then he goes to Mary's house and he's like, listen, he probably knocks on the door, I imagine. And maybe Mary's parents came to the door and Joseph's like, hey, is Mary home? And they're like, yeah, but she doesn't want to see you. you know. And he's like, well, listen, I got to come in. We need to talk. And so he walks in, he's like, Mary, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I, I, I overreacted, even though I don't know if I really did, but now I know I did. And he's like, listen, I'm going to stay with you. I had the same dream. I know that you weren't lying. I know that this child really is from God. And he says, we're going to walk through this together. And I can imagine in that moment, Mary was like, are you serious? And probably got really emotional. It's like, I love you. And it was an amazing moment. You know, it was, it was awesome. And, but then I imagine quickly thereafter, they probably thought, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to, ex- like, we're on the same team now, but hello, the rest of the world probably isn't Joseph. And they just locked up and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep moving. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary to be his wife. He moved forward. He trusted. He walked into obedience. But then let me just give you a snapshot of what happens next So Mary and Joseph find out that they're going to have to travel from their hometown of Nazareth to Bethlehem, which would have been about an 80 mile journey, which doesn't sound long in today's culture, in our context. But 80 miles back then would have been really, really long. And most likely Mary and Joseph walked. That's the way they got to Bethlehem. Maybe they rode on a donkey, which isn't much better. Can you imagine being like pretty far along in your pregnancy and riding on a donkey 80 miles? I I imagine that would be pretty terrible. Um, But either way, it was a long, tiresome journey. And they get to Bethlehem and so many people were there because there was a census that was happening. And so Mary and Joseph had nowhere to stay. They couldn't find anywhere to stay. There was no room in any of the inns or hotels or houses. They didn't probably know really anyone in the town. And so they find a stable and Mary delivers in this basically like a, like a barn and she places Jesus in a manger. And I think in our minds, like we've created this manger to be like this perfect little heavenly thing that like shines and there's like a sound machine below it. That's like, ah, you know, like, that's what we think about the manger Do you know that a manger is a feeding trough for animals? This manger would have been absolutely disgusting. It would have smelled terrible. It would have been like, you would never place your child in this manger. I just had a child and trust me, like you're like, oh my gosh, you get like Mary places Jesus, her child in this gross, disgusting manger. Shortly after that, King Herod finds out about this child and he wants to kill him. So then Mary and Joseph now are on the run again. They're having to flee to a different town and eventually they make their way back to their hometown of Nazareth. This is the picture. This is the scene of the very first Christmas. This is the situation that Jesus was born into. Now, I don't know about for you, but for me, when I think about that, when I read that, when I really put myself there, I think, man, that sounds extremely chaotic. That sounds pretty much like the most dysfunctional thing I've ever heard about. That sounds like a total mess. But can I tell you this tonight? The messiness of life is seen in the messiness of the manger. I think Jesus was, God was intentional in saying, Jesus, this is the situation you're gonna be born into. It's not gonna be glamorous. It's not gonna be royal, although it should be. No, you're gonna be born into a mess because the messiness of life is going to be seen in the messiness of the manger. And you know what happens when things get messy in life? You know this. Eventually, darkness starts to set in. Like when things are messy, when things are chaotic, when you're not really sure what's happening, uh, things eventually start to s- seem a little bit dark. And when darkness starts to set in, naturally, it's hard for you to see where you're going. It's hard for you to, s- to find what you're looking for. So all of us would agree that life is messy. All of us would say that at times, maybe even right now, you've experienced some darkness. And all of us, I think, are looking for hope in the mess. All of us are wondering, is there a light? Because right now, for many of us, if there is, you can't see it. And you don't even believe it's there. And I did some research on on darkness. Did you know this? Darkness is just the absence of light. Like darkness can't exist on its own. Darkness can only exist where there is no light. And so Jesus was born into this world and check out what he says in John's gospel. Eventually when he gets older and when he begins his adult life, his, his years of ministry, look at what he says in John chapter 8, verse 12. This is incredible. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is huge. Jesus says, hey, I know that life is messy, trust me. And he says, I know that when things get messy, darkness begins to set in. And when darkness sets in, it seems like hope is lost. It seems like there is no light. But Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever puts their faith in me, whoever whoever puts their focus on me, We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. He's not just talking about darkness, like physically, like not being able to see things. He's talking about spiritual darkness as well. He's saying, whoever puts their faith and trust in me spiritually, you're no longer living in darkness. So tonight, I just want to speak to a couple different groups of people in the room. Tonight, maybe you're in the room and right now, you know you're living in some darkness Even spiritually right now, you know that it's dark for you and you can't see a light and it doesn't seem like hope is anywhere near the picture. Can I just tell you this tonight? The light of the world wants to be the light of your world. He wants to meet you right where you are tonight in the middle of your mess. And if you don't believe me, the manger is proof. Like Jesus was born into a mess to show us, to to scream, to shout out to us, I'm not afraid of yours. And tonight Jesus wants to meet every single one of us in the middle of your mess. And the light of the world wants to be the light of your world. How do you do that? You say, Jesus, I believe in you. I wanna put my faith and trust in you. And in that moment, he doesn't erase the mess, but he says, hey, I'm with you. I'm going to walk with you. And I'm not just a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm a light as we walk through the tunnel. And I'll be with you every single step of the way. For others of you in the room tonight, maybe you've received the light. Maybe you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus at some point in your life. But can I just challenge you with this tonight? If you've received the light of the world, then be a light to the world. And maybe this Christmas season, like for a while, maybe the past few Christmases, like it's kind of been about yourself and you go home and you're like, I'm gonna hang out with the family members that I enjoy hanging out with. I'm gonna see the friends that I wanna catch up with and I'm gonna kind of stay away from the rest of the people. And maybe tonight this hits you square in the face and you're like, "Mm, I've received the light of the world. Now I'm called to go and be a light to the world. And so maybe I need to step into the messy situations, to the messy relationships in my life, and I need to start engaging again with those people, and I need to let them know that, hey, light has come for you as well. So what makes Christmas, what makes this the most wonderful time of the year? Because I think it's a true statement, but it's not the light's it's not the christmas trees it's not the decorations it's not the christmas cookies or the christmas movies or the christmas songs or the presents or any of that that's not what makes this the most wonderful time of the year i think that's what the world thinks makes this the most wonderful time of the year but you know the real reason why we celebrate You know, the real reason why we go all out and put lights on display and and buy people presents and throw really just a massive party, if you've ever thought about it, that's kind of what Christmas is. It's like the the whole world pauses and says, we're just gonna kind of celebrate together. And the real reason that it's the most wonderful time of the year is because it's the time of the year when we stop and intentionally remind ourselves that your mess, my mess is full fertile ground for hope to rise up. The manger was messy, but out of the mess of the manger came hope for the world, came hope for your world. And that's what Christmas is about. So tonight, maybe you're a girl in the room. And right now you feel the darkness of of just your family and it's falling apart. Maybe you just found out that your parents are are being separated. Maybe you found out that, that one of your siblings is going way off wayward and making some really bad decisions. And can I just speak to you, girl in the room tonight? There's hope in your mess. There's hope in your mess. Maybe you're a guy in the room tonight and you're struggling with your self-confidence. You put on this facade that everything's good and perfect and you wake up every day, you go to the gym, you're like, man, I'm good. But deep down, man, you're struggling. Come on. And can I tell you tonight, guy in the room, there's hope in your mess. For every single person in the room, I don't care what your mess looks like. I don't care what details you, know, you could fill in, how, how big or small it might be, how, much, you, how unique of a story it is. We all have unique messes. And what I would say to every single one of you, what Jesus is shouting to every single one of you is there's hope in your mess. Because over 2000 years ago, a child was born in a manger in Bethlehem. From that time forward, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose victorious over it. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Christmas is the season of hope. Light has come and there is hope in your mess. So Jesus, tonight I just pray for every single person individually in this room. God, I don't know all of their stories, but you do. You know the story of every single person. You know our fears, you know our struggles, you know our hopes and dreams. And tonight, Lord, I just pray that light would break through like never before. I pray tonight that as we begin this Christmas season, I pray that this Christmas season would be so different than anyone we've ever experienced. Because maybe tonight a light would come on in our life and we would realize that Jesus came for me. He was born in the manger for me. He's hope for me. So Lord, tonight, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard and give us the courage to take the step. We love you, Jesus. It's in your mighty, mighty name we pray tonight.